thanks to Cabbage for supporting Market Foolery. Get the money you need to run your small business at cabbage.com and use the code FOOL to get $100 credit on your first loan statement. Offer ends November 30th. Must take a $5,000 loan to qualify. Terms and conditions apply. It's Monday, October 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by Motley Fool Analyst Emily Flippin and Jason Moser. Welcome. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. How are we doing? Doing great. Sounds yeah. like you may have been you had a pretty good weekend, didn't you? Yeah, if I'm a little horsey, it's because <laughs> I was I was cheering on my Astros. I'm an Astros guy. You, had, you went to Houston. one game? I went to two, two games. You went two to games. two. Wow. Which I did. ones? I did. I went to um games four and games five. Man. So Saturday so, and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. Jeez. But but I, I was just saying before the taping that I I, I have mixed emotions because I love for the Astros to win, but I don't like seeing the Nats get swept. So I'm I'm trying to kind of go around the office and cheer people up, but it's it's not working today. Yeah, well, swept at home, right? Yeah, swept at home. That's rough. But the Astros got swept at home also. Yeah, yeah. you know, still some baseball to be played. Now on today's show, Tiffany has a suitor, and I'm not talking about the pop star (laughs) Tiffany. Okay, Jason, I'm talking about the retailer, and Spotify has a surprise for investors. But let's begin with Microsoft shares opening at a new high on Monday after Microsoft was awarded a $10 billion Pentagon contract for its cloud computing services. Now, Jason, it may shock you to know that there may be a political layer to all this. <laughs> um, Amazon's the market leader in cloud computing. They already provide cloud services for the CIA, and they are considering challenging the awarding of the contract, citing President Trump's interference in the bidding process. Now, we will let the politics sort itself out. But in terms of the business implications, what does it mean for investors? Yeah, I mean, very good point there regarding the the political nature of this. Who knows? We don't, obviously. But from a business perspective, I I think it's really important. We talk a lot about cloud these days, and AWS has always been the the I I think the the number one Amazon Web Services, right? Amazon Web Services. That's the number one company in in the space for for a number of reasons there, but it. Microsoft clearly is is doing very well in this space. It's very important, I think, to to know that it's not just cloud business and then that's it, right? There, there, there's nuance to to each company's cloud business and what they do. And and so, what I mean by that, if we look at Amazon, for example, you look at Amazon's 10K, and they refer to AWS, Amazon Web Services, as the segment which offers a broad set of global compute, storage, database, and other service offerings. Now, in 2018, AWS recorded about $26 billion in sales. Now, if you look at Microsoft, Microsoft Commercial Cloud in 2018 actually recorded $38 billion in sales. So, $38 billion is more than $26 billion. Yep. And yet, Amazon's the cloud leader, right? How can this be, Mac? How well, can it be? if you look in, in Microsoft's 10K, the way they define their commercial cloud is uh, commercial cloud revenue includes Microsoft Office 365 Commercial, Microsoft Azure, uh, or Azure, Azure, or Azure, however you prefer to pronounce it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We know it's Azure. 
the commercial portion of LinkedIn, Microsoft Dynamics 365, and other cloud properties. So, my point being is when when Microsoft talks about cloud, they're defining it a little bit more broadly, and so that's why you see Microsoft with that 38 billion versus Amazon's 26 billion. But really, what we're talking about is this infrastructure as a service. That's what Azure is. That's what Microsoft is. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Amazon is really. It's the building blocks of the cloud there. And, and so, while Amazon is the leader in that space with basically half market share, 50% of that market share, and, and it's about the same, it's actually more than the next four players combined. Microsoft is a strong number two player in the space, and they're gaining market share. So, political motives aside, I mean, there is a business case to be made for giving Microsoft this contract, is, is my ultimate point. So, we shouldn't be surprised by this. Yeah, Jason, to your point, this is a rumored to be about a $10 billion contract. So, when you think about the size of these businesses, this is huge. And with AWS, like you mentioned, having about 50% of the market share, and Azure being much further behind with 16%, according to Gartner, uh, this contract Moves a lot of needles for these companies, um, so I think Microsoft. Even though this is great for them, it's, but they were they were very clearly surprised by this earlier this year. They were the ones beating the table, saying that a ten billion dollar contract was way too big just to give to one company, and the DOJ should look into using multiple providers. So I think it's clear that they definitely were surprised by this news as well, because even earlier this year, they maybe by making that comment felt kind of behind AWS. I think a lot of people were. Surprised maybe at this. I think most people think because of Amazon's experience in the space and the contracts they've locked up to this point, it's probably the most sensible fit. Uh, again, I mean, it is a matter of, of what the services are needed for and, and what you're ultimately trying to do with those services. Microsoft Cloud Services, they've placed a big emphasis on AI and analytics. It's not to say that Amazon doesn't have those capabilities, but Microsoft has been investing more in that. So perhaps this Jedi contract is something where they're going to benefit more from the AI and the analytics, and they felt like Microsoft was a better fit. Uh, but at the end of the day, again, I mean, I think it makes sense from a customer's perspective. You look at Amazon and you think, okay, they've got basically 50% market share, but you also don't want to be signing up and putting all of your eggs essentially in that one basket. I mean, that you, you get into that single point of failure uh, risk there. And if something happens to Amazon, your entire uh, cloud infrastructure gets kind of flushed down the toilet. So you have to be very careful how you're picking this. And, and so, seeing customers uh, being very deliberate about how they choose uh, their providers, and then also diversifying away from just being a single provider, I, th I think makes a lot of sense. And Emily, to your point, I assume that Microsoft will no longer be complaining about the size of the ten billion dollar contract. <laughs> I think that's a safe <laughs> assumption. Okay, well, let's move on to Tiffany. Shares of the retailer up more than thirty percent on Monday on news that French luxury group LVMH has made a takeover offer. That values Tiffany at around $14.5 billion. That's a whole lot of those little blue boxes, whatever comes in those. Isn't that the Tiffany thing? Hey, it is. You can, you can, tell, you can my... tell I buy a lot of jewelry. <laughs> I got my wife a Tiffany bracelet Look at this. Oh. Once again, making me feel bad. Birthday gift to go with the Look necklace that I got her a while back. Look at that. Pretty good Look at this, that. You know? Well, LVMH is the world's largest luxury goods group. And fun fact, it is owned by Europe's richest man. I just learned that this morning. So, what does this potential deal mean for Tiffany? And if I'm looking at Tiffany's stock, should I think about kind of buying it right now? It's really interesting because Tiffany's actually had a really tough year leading up to this. Uh, the stock isn't necessarily, I wouldn't say a terrible performer, uh, but the 22% 
increase in value this acquisition offer poses to them is definitely much, uh, I guess, appreciated by current shareholders because Tiffany's has been struggling. It's it's. Interestingly, in large part due to the trade war with China, they get a lot of their sales from Chinese consumers. Uh, they're among some of the largest purchasers of Tiffany's products. So the trade war has actually caused declining sales for Tiffany's. Last quarter, sales fell three percent year over year, and management attributed it to what they call weak demand from foreign tourists. Um, but I really think that paints a, a perfectly clear picture of what Tiffany's is going through because actually last quarter their sales were down in every single region in which they operate. So admittedly, that's that's comparing to 2018. Which was a good year for them. But point is, is that you know it's an industry that isn't particularly high growth. And when you look at younger consumers, you look at how the market is starting to evolve. It does beg the question of, okay, is, is Tiffany's really the value add that it once was? Not only is there uh, potentially weak demand for traditional diamonds amongst younger consumers, so people being much more concerned about how their diamonds are sourced, the ethical you know uses behind diamonds, and well, just a Current demand for diamonds versus other things, right? So at least that is true in the Western markets. But the fact that their sales have been down across the board is definitely concerning. I will say that Tiffany's is definitely not dead in the water, though. I would say that they need to either restrict supply or start meeting the market where it is. When people look to shop, they're no longer going into that Tiffany's store, at least not to the extent that they were previously. They're looking online. So Tiffany's either needs to restrict that demand. Their inventories were actually up year over year, which is not a good thing for Tiffany's. Or they need to start, hey, maybe go lower market. Maybe we go a little bit easier, right? Meeting the consumer halfway. Do you see how they can now grow diamonds in a lab? Is that true? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's technology that's here and now. And I mean, it really makes you wonder, to your point about the, the ethical, the sourcing behind these diamonds and so the, eth- the ethical arguments for and against. I mean, it just, you may completely remove that at some point if you just have these lab grown diamonds. Um, I, I've always looked at Tiffany's kind of a, uh, it's, it's kind of like investing in an oil company, honestly, <laughs> because they're so good about protecting their brand. They don't resort to fire sales. You're not going to see them participating in, what is it, Black Friday? I mean, I forget it even. It's 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 all just kind of the same now. And it isn't every day just one big fire sale, Mac. I mean, I like <laughs> it that. Feels like it. We could put that on a motivational poster. <laughs> isn't every day one big fire sale? <laughs> They've done a very good job of protecting the brand. But the thing is, you see it kind of go. It sort of ebbs and flows with with how the consumer's doing. And so you you can buy Tiffany when it's depressed, when the results are really bad, and when things start looking great, you probably want to sell it because it does seem kind of capped and where it can ultimately go with the market that it's serving. I mean, they're not going to be pursuing that mass market audience. Then, if they do that, they lose that exclusive nature that the brand communicates. So, it's always been a difficult investment from that perspective to me, because you have to be so in touch with the valuation. But it's a very powerful brand. I mean, I can understand why you know a luxury house like this would would, would want to own it. I'm impressed that you're buying from Tiffany. I would not trust myself to buy something for my wife from Tiffany's. I'm like, you know what? Here's an Amazon gift certificate. <laughs> so Costco. I, I'll I, take. I mean, well, let's go to Costco. I will say I, I'm with you there. I'm horrible when it comes to jewelry. I'm just I, I'm I'm blind. Now one trick, and I and I discovered this a while back. If you get one piece of jewelry. Yeah. Then you can try to find the other pieces that complement that. And so what I mean is, you're already you've already lost me. Yeah, lost me, me well, too. <laughs> so, like when we had when we had our second daughter, 
Okay. Right. Our second daughter, and she, my, you know, we gave my wife a gift saying, "Hey, thanks, you know, for doing all that hard work." And it was a, it was a Tiffany necklace with a little, with a little pearl on it. And so for her birthday this year, I found the bracelet that matched the necklace, and I knew that that would be okay because she already had the necklace and she liked the necklace. Here's the problem with that, right? You're going to get one gift. They're going to say, "Oh, thank you so much." They hate it, right? It's horrible. <laughs> and then every year for the next ten years, there's a new wow. gift based off I the. Original like bad That's, that's like the it. fear, right? Now I'm <laughs> you working. You have to be good to start. I'm working on 18 years here, essentially. Well, no, I'm sorry, 13 <laughs> years of her telling. Throwing cold water. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm working on 13 years, or assuming that my wife has been honest with us and telling us that she that's does, good. in fact, like this that's necklace. Good. But if she doesn't, you're right. I I'm, like that. My like thesis that. is blown out of the water. Tiffany that's still good. appreciates <laughs> it, though. That's good. Well, before we get to our final story, I want to say thanks to Cabbage. Now, managing inventory, covering payroll, and doing a hundred other things before lunch. Well, that's just an average day when you own a small business, and your time is so valuable, and getting the money you need shouldn't take up all of that time. That's why Cabbage created a simple, modern way for businesses to access up to $250,000 of credit. That is a lot. You can apply online, and it takes just minutes to complete and get a decision. If your business qualifies, you can access the amount you need right away and withdraw more funds whenever you need extra capital. Oh, yeah. Cabbage has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and has provided over 200,000 small businesses with access to funding. Now, starting a small business, well, it can be a challenge. We, we all know people who have started small businesses. You need a lot of cabbage. You need a lot of cabbage. We have friends who've done it, our very own David and Tom Garner, and we know that having access to funds is so important. It can be such a grind to raise capital, and having access to that capital can make or break a small business. And it's something that a lot of companies struggle with when they're starting out. So get the money you need to run your small business today. Go to cabbage.com and use the code FOOL to get $100 credit on your first loan statement. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E.com. Offer ends November 30th, 2019. Must take a minimum $5,000 loan to qualify. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital or separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. And let's close with a little Spotify, the streaming music giant, some sweet music, for Spotify investors on Monday, shares up around 17% after Spotify reported a surprise, and that surprise was a quarterly profit. Stronger than expected subscriber growth, 5 million new paying subscribers for the quarter, Spotify ending the period with 113 million premium subscribers. Emily, what do you think? Yeah, Spotify is an interesting one. We were talking earlier about this. I'm not a big music listener myself, but it seems like for 113 million paid subscribers out there, <laughs> Spotify is their go-to. Um, I would just say there's a lot of fear, I think, in the market when it comes to Spotify, just based off the idea of can they acquire customers profitably. So this past quarter, revenue rose 28%. Um, marketing and operating expenses rose respectively 11% and 22%. So while there are increases in costs there, the increase in revenue did outweigh it. So I think the market's really just appreciating a company that proves, hey, look, you know, we can acquire customers at a higher rate than historically profitably. So good day for Spotify today. Yeah, it was a nice surprise. I mean, I think we had a you know so sweet we ought to bring in that uh, that widespread panic surprise value. Oh, uh, you're a big you're a big <laughs> widespread panic guy, yeah, right? There yeah. is a listener out there too who knows what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I, I think I mean Emily keyed in on something I think that's really important is that revenue growth continues to outpace expense growth 
meaningfully. And, and that's really important for this company over the long haul. Now, Mac, I know you're a big fan of us leading with our strong statements. I'm going to lead with a strong okay, statement. It's not it. mine, okay? This is from Barry McCarthy. He's the outgoing CFO. Okay. Uh, he says that streaming was to Netflix as podcasting is to Spotify. Now, think about that for a second. I love it. He that. goes on to say, we can see in video that streaming wins and linear dies. That's where they're making the investments. The street will catch on eventually. Uh, I, I think there probably is something to that. I, I think that the more and more uh, we we go in the entertainment space, whether it's video or music or podcasting or whatever, it's on demand. It's listening to what you want, when you want, where you want. And to my mind, we've seen some players like Amazon and Apple have done really well in building out music and podcast services, but Spotify, really being the pure play, has devoted all of their time and resources into building out this streaming platform that transcends music, its podcasts, and all other forms of entertainment that will come down down the pike here. But the, the user growth is there. Total uh, MAUs were up 30% to 248 million MAUs, total what's that? monthly active users. Okay, okay. And in paid subscribers, you have 113 million premium subscribers now. That was up 31%. That matters because premium subs tend to churn less, and they are more profitable for the company. So, ultimately, they're just trying to grow that premium membership. And they do that thing. They do that through compelling offerings like the family membership, which we we have in my house. Great value there. They have the student membership, and they're coupling up with other media properties out there like Hulu and and uh, others to try to bring more subscribers into into that universe there. And I think it's all really working out. It's it's just tough to see a business like this spending so much on the content side, but that's what they have to do. I mean, we've seen other businesses do this, whether it's Netflix or Pandora. Um, it's a difficult business in the near run, but in the long run, the trend clearly is towards digital and streaming, and that's what Spotify's focused on. And what about the stock? Uh, well, I mean, it's been a really difficult year for the stock thus far. Obviously, a very good day today for it. Uh, I, I, I tend to believe that this is one that you're going to have to revisit maybe annually just to make sure you're still happy owning it. But I think this story, it's going to be material, materially different five to ten years down the road because I think they're ultimately looking to completely disrupt the big recording houses, the big publishers, and offer artists another avenue to get their content out there and actually make more money doing it. It's this two-sided marketplace. They continue to talk about. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some investment, but clearly things are going in the right direction. Okay, let's wrap up with our desert island question. You're on a desert island, and you really don't have a lot going on, so you might as well invest in a stock, and you might as well hold it for the next five years. Why so, not? Okay, here you go. So here are your choices: Microsoft, Amazon, Tiffany, or Spotify. What do you think? Oh, for me, I, I hands down would choose Microsoft. I think Microsoft is, I want to call it a comeback story because that makes it sound like Microsoft was ever doomed. I don't think they're ever doomed, but the work that they've done with Azure has been absolutely amazing. I think there's a lot of room for them to expand that business. The contract, the $10 billion contract is just one part of that, and it's going to be a tough road. There's going to be lawsuits associated with that contract, undoubtedly. Uh, but I think the underlying business is solid. That's not anything against Amazon, by the okay, way. So, but you think Azure Sky's ahead from Microsoft? Yeah, I do. Okay. Jason, what do you think? You know, the pragmatist in me should should choose Microsoft. I like Emily's thinking there. But, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe I get bored on this island, and maybe I want to listen to some, some music and podcasts and whatnot. I feel like I'm I'm gonna go ahead and put my chips on Spotify here because I think that I think that the long term story here holds. I think investors in Spotify would be very happy that they uh, you know stay patient, let this one play out. Okay, and something we're gonna do all week because it 
is the Halloween season. So it's in that spirit that we're going to close our podcast this week by talking about overrated and underrated candy. And we're going to bring our very own Dan Boyd in on this one. Dan Boyd, I need to hear your overrated candy and your underrated candy. Okay, sure. So I'll start with the overrated, and it's Milky Way, uh, because Milky Way is a garbage candy that is just <laughs> Snickers without peanuts. And why would you eat a Milky Way when you can eat a vastly superior Snickers? Now I understand that some people are uh, allergic to peanuts, and that's too bad. And I understand in that case that okay. a Milky Way would be superior. That was but a nice if, qualifier. I like if that. you're not allergic to peanuts, it seems to me just like it's it's a worse move. Okay, it's, It doesn't make any sense to me. I like it. And how about underrated? Underrated? Mm, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with Snickers once again wow. uh, here, because Snickers are amazing but, and have all the elements of a fantastic candy and are uh, just, just, just quite fantastic. And you take all those ingredients, put them together, it's more than the sum of its parts, if you think about it. Still underrated, because I think a lot of people say Snickers trades at a pretty rich multiple, but you're <laughs> saying it's still underrated. I think uh, I think I'm channeling value investor Ron Gross here or today, because I, like I think the Snickers is probably the most valuable candy on the roster. You would say it's, it's firing on all cylinders. It's that one in plain sight, right? That's I mean, right. I like there, it. but no like one it. ever thinks about it, because it's been around for so long. Okay. I'm very excited to hear what Emily has to say about this, because she has been <laughs> frowning and shaking her head at me the entire time. What do you time. got, Emily? Yeah, Dan, as usual, you're just wrong. <laughs> you know, there's no saving you at this point. Look, I'm going to go underrated Milky Way. Because if you're eating a Milky Way plain, yeah, you might think to yourself, oh, I wish it could be a Snickers. <laughs> Put it in the freezer, Dan. Put Ooh, that Milky Way in the freezer. Nice. Don't, don't freeze nice. a Snickers. That will break your teeth. But if you freeze a Milky nice. Way, that really just makes it a superior candy. So you have to do candy. something extra to the Milky Way <laughs> to make it good, is what you're saying. Both fair Sometimes points. Sometimes things, good things in life require a little work, Dan. You know, you got to try a little bit for your candy, earn it. Okay, okay. Yeah. a cold Milky Way. I love it. And how about um, overrated? Um, overrated? Oh, that's a good question. I'd say any non-chocolate candy is really overrated, in my opinion. You're not going wrong if you're eating chocolate. I still have to say probably Skittles. Okay. Skittles are just eh, low-class M&Ms. Hard, hard, agree there. hard agree there. Hard agree. Oh, I hate Jolly Ranchers. Okay. That's not even a candy. I didn't even consider yeah, it because it's so it's not, not a candy. Not even a candy. They're not good. Oh my gosh! We apologize to all the Jolly Rancher people. <laughs> um, okay, Jason, yeah, what do you got? Overrated, underrated? So I, I, you know, I like a lot of peanut butter and chocolate together. But the one thing that I don't I, you knock Reese's. I've never gotten. I've never. I'm going to go overrated here. I'm just not a big fan of the Mr. Good Bar. Like when I get a Mr. Good Bar, I'm kind of like. Eh, it's just That's too true. plain, Gene. I don't, I don't not like it, but That's you know, it's, I'm not fair. going to the store. It's to trying get to like one. be a Hershey, but it's not. Maybe it's like, that's uh, it. We all thought yeah. you were going somewhere else with that. Okay, good. Now, I thought you were going to take a shot at Reese's. I know. No way, I was going to throw a Come punch at you. Now. I got a little bit of class. Okay. Give me a break here. I mean, I do think underrated. I, every time I see these, my eyes light up a little bit. Man, how good is a Nestle Crunch Bar? Solid. I like the crispy. Yes. I like the crispy oh, and the chocolate. It's simple. Yep. It's got a little crunch, Always, got a little chewy, little sweet. Oh, no. So I, yeah. I like the Nestle. Always crunch. beats the whisper I, number. I don't, I don't get it, man. Because the Kit Kat is right there. It's crunchy and it's better. Okay. Okay, I, I but like now, now hear me out. What about? How about the Watchamacallit? Mm. Because wow. I feel like the Watchamacallit trumps all. That, I, that's. 
I, I don't know about that, man. Sometimes, sometimes things you, you, you put too much in, and it's just like the baby Ruth doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, I like it. Doesn't work. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I was toying with the baby Ruth as my overrated, but I landed on milk duds Mm. because it just feels like it takes a lot of work. And after the first one, I feel like a horse that's just like trying to (laughs) chew through them. And I just don't want to do that much work. And underrated, I am conflicted. I had Junior Mints, but I'm going to go with Twix. Yeah, but the caramel or the peanut butter. Yeah. Which one? And and the thing about, uh, you know, that's a tough call. I think I think I would go the caramel. But what what I will say about a good candy and Junior Mints and Twix, you don't need to freeze them. That's such a crunch. Yeah. If you have to put something in the freezer, I'm, I, I'm just I don't know <laughs> if anyone has I, I don't know if anyone has thrown that idea out there yet. But I've just got to say that's a crutch. Okay, I just want to ask real quick: Are people rating Milk Duds high? Um, like. At all? I'm sorry. And are people not rating I'm, I'm Twix a, I'm, high? I'm, I'm a time traveler from the 1930s. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to take your castor oil shortly after eating your milk duds. Okay. So if you have thoughts on overrated, underrated candies, if you have thoughts on any of the topics we have talked about today, marketfoolery at fool.com is our email, marketfoolery at fool.com. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Emily, Jason, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.